evening and welcome to episode 171 of the Finger Guns podcast. It's me again! Hey, how are you doing? Have you missed me? Probably not. I, I hosted it last week. I know you're probably missing Ross. We're missing him too. We hope he's okay. We hope he's not dead. Who knows? He could be taking over the world. He could be just having a Mackey's. Who knows? No, I'm kidding. We hope you're good, Ross. Um, but for now, for the next two hours or so, you have lovely me again. Um, some of you might be really happy about that. Some of you might not give a shit and that's fine too. <laughs> But I hope whatever you, whatever your your preference is to uh, host, uh, that I hope you're well, um, and I hope you do have a McDonald's. I'd love a McDonald's right now. Um, but this post, this this post, this podcast doesn't just include myself. We have uh, many a people joining us today, um, and that number one person, number two person, and number three person. But I will start with whoever is next on my list, and that be Mr. Miles Thompson. Miles Thompson. Hello, Hello again. Hello, welcome to pod 171. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. I've had a bit of a headache today, but uh, excited to have another chaotic podcast with yourself as host again. They always tend to be uh, How dare funny. you? <laughs> they are nothing but organised. Oh, They're completely. nothing but, but calm, presented and well thought out throughout. It's basically mindfulness ASMR. Whenever yeah, you it host. essentially is. Yeah, and actually, like, could you be any more calm right now? I don't think so. Uh, that <laughs> is a fair point. That is a fair point. I can't argue with that. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your headache. Yeah, just one of those things. I think it's I just, just sleep. Yeah. Oh, you need to get more, or you need to have less. Well, Sean just recommended having more caffeine, and I might try his approach first. <laughs> I mean, uh, caffeine. <laughs> I think it's the answer to absolutely everything. Yeah. Like, I can't think of something where caffeine isn't the answer. Yeah. It's so, either that or a Mackey's, so true, one of the true, true to true. Um, we have the return of Mr. Sean Davies. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. I just want to warn everybody that this may be the sign of the apocalypse. I've <laughs> several podcasts. Three in a row. I think we've had you so spot. many times in a row now, Sean. This is exciting. You can't leave again. You can't leave again. We're not letting you. We've <laughs> grasped you. We're not letting you go. If you, if you look out the window and see, like, fire and brimstone, you'd know why. <laughs> I'm sorry for triggering this. It's, it's my fault. Do you know what? In the distance, there is, like, an orange glow. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm just finishing off a coffee um, because caffeine really is the answer to all of my problems. Uh, do you know what? That it is, and that's, that's it. Like, I don't think there is anything that it's not the answer to. So. And I was, like, as soon as you mentioned Mackey's, I was like, just eat. Can yeah. I order one for like 11 o'clock before we finish? But no, we can't now, so I will. Oh, does your Mackey's like shut at like half nine? Yeah, I mean, it's open, it's, it's, you know, they're barely open as it is. <laughs> it's hanging on one chicken nugget at a time. Okay. <laughs> and finally, joining us this week is Mr. Joshua Thompson. Hello. Hello, Josh, you are. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Uh, there must be some... Um surname synchronicity going on because i've had a headache too today and i welcome caffeine has helped that we are the same person we have established this we like the same games we get the same trophies like we're just we're just the same person all right guys then get a room (laughs) you've not seen either of us at the same time true i mean i don't want to out it like that but he is right but but you are having a conversation right now so unless you're like seth mcfarlane yes we're (laughs) using two voices (laughs) <laughs> actually voice recorded myself <laughs> yep all right it's getting too deep it's getting too weird it's getting too... <laughs> i'm sorry to hear about your headache though josh it's all good 
Uh, Miles doesn't like coffee, so we need to find him something that like he can replace his caffeine with. I don't think he likes energy drinks either. He does, do. but only I certain do. ones. Yeah, right. I, I well, that's what I that's what I've been having. He likes the coffee. Moscow Mule Monster. Oh yeah, that one monster. is good. What a champion! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Wait, his what one is that? Sure, I it's, some, it's the I ginger beer one. Oh right. <laughs> Yeah, like, I literally yeah. watched today a video. I don't know if anyone else watches them. It's from like Food Insider. They do a UK versus a USA and they show off like uh, fast food stuff back to back between each other, what they have exclusive. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they did a monster episode today and I don't drink monster so much, but watching that was quite wild. The, the variety <laughs> that they have to offer. Oh, damn. But I didn't hear about that mule. That's why I was questioning it, because I heard, like, pretty much everything else other than that. <laughs> you know, they've got the coffees, they've got the, the hydro drinks and all, all sorts. The Caribbean one's quite nice as well. The Caribbean punch type one. That one's quite good. I punch. I just... Yes, that's the one. That one's pretty decent. It is. <laughs> if you're a fan of Rockstar, the purple one is the best one, in my opinion. Purple one uh... is where it's at. Hi, guys. It's Roscoe here from the Finger Guns podcast. Just to let you know before this goes on, I'm not actually on this episode, but I wanted to jump in whilst I'm in the editing booth to clarify a couple of things. Um, We are not sponsored by McDonald's, nor are we sponsored by Monster or Rockstar. I want to make that clear for ACAST lawyers and for people that are listening to this. We are not sponsored by any of these products. We just like them or dislike them, depending on who you are on the podcast. I wanted to get that clear before we carried on. Now, please enjoy the rest of episode 171. Of the Finger Guns podcast. Anywho, should we talk about some games? <laughs> oh yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> it is. This isn't just uh, a weekly meeting. <laughs> about which which energy drink has satisfied our need the most. Uh, <laughs> Josh, you are unmuted, so I'm going to come straight to you. What game of the week, good sir? Ooh. There is a plethora to pick from today because we have been busy this month. But we have been busy this month. I'd say that the game of the week is probably NBA 2K23. Okay, nice. Um, Tell me about that. So thanks, 2K UK, for the code. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, so I reviewed it. It came out yesterday, I believe. Um, it is just another in- iteration of the franchise, but I've played a few. Sometimes I skip a year or two just because I don't think they change enough. So I missed last year's, but I was well-versed in last year's, and I played the year before, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this is probably the, my favourite one so far um, to play. Uh, it plays a lot better than the past couple of that I've done. They've done so much more to the career and the online modes that they've kind of joined the two together. Um, and whilst there's some elements to it that I don't really like because of it slowing down the pace of getting between matches, overall I'm having a lot of fun. I think it's more, as it feels like a more social game. It felt quite empty pre-launch because it was probably just reviewers and stuff like that that could get it early. That were in there but after playing post-launch like the city that you kind of the hub world that you walk through is like packed now and there's playing basketball with all different sorts of courts there's like four different corners where you can have uh, different settings different rewards and I'm just having a good time with it I'm just churning through it it is uh it feels like a game that there's no real end point to it so it's probably like something that you can play throughout the year till the next one comes on but yeah I'm really enjoying it so far Nice, 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 nice. Sounds uh, good. I can't say I've ever played a basketball video game. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, it could be yours to start. I mean, it yeah. Quite a, it is quite an accessible entry. Is it? You, oh, yeah, you mentioned that. It was quite social. Hmm. 
that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not very well versed in, in basketball, I'm afraid. Um, I pretty much know like two players. That's it. Which one? Are, <laughs> which two players are they? Uh, uh, so Peyton Sawyer and <laughs> Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you didn't even say Michael Jordan. Was was like, yeah, obviously Michael have Jordan. Have I got news for sorry, you? Because there's like... a whole Michael Jordan mode in this one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just completely ruined your bet there. <laughs> Obviously, Michael Jordan, because Space Jam, the film, is incredible. There you um, go. <laughs> no Looney Tunes in this one, which is really upsetting. But other right. than that, if there was a Toon Star versus, uh, what are they called? The Goon Squad? Oh, yeah. That would be that'd be a cracking mode. They I'm need sick. to add that. Sick. Uh, Sean, what is your game of the week? I just, I just need to, just, just hang on a second. Your, your, your primary reference for Michael Jordan is Space Jam, not okay. his his record-setting <laughs> career. Yeah, obviously it's like career, but like most, I was you know when you're gonna <laughs> when you're gonna put Bugs Bunny next to a basketball player, I'm in. Like I was a kid, I was like five years old, and I was like, that's who Michael Jordan is. Yeah. Okay, I, I can't even front my first reference of basketball in, as a sport was probably Space Jam. Also, yeah. Wow, okay then. Fair enough. <laughs> like, th- this was the one sport that I was actually good at at school. So, oh, fair, oh, fair. yeah. Like, I was taller than everyone. Thank You know, DNA gave me some fast legs. and <laughs> I was, like, taller than everyone. Tall boy. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't tall for the time. I was just taller than everyone else. So it was very easy to play <laughs> basketball when you just, like, hold the ball up. Um, <laughs> my game of the week is called The Gallery. And it's an FMV game that's coming from Paul Rashid and aviary films it's basically a, a kind of the same as a lot of other fmv games are releasing at the minute they have like a branching narrative and paul rashid's been involved when a, a couple of really high profile fmv games recently he did he directed um the facility was it or the, sorry the complex um he wrote and directed five dates which is the dating sim in the time of covid oh i actually think i remember that and he is is he is directing the ian livingston um death trap dungeon um fmv game that's coming out next year so this guy is busy and i've got i've got to say this one's high quality the gallery is, is a very good fmv game it's got you know where, where it's excellent is the fact that it's very british and it has two stories that are kind of they they mirror one another so the first is set in 1981 where you play as a art gallery um curator named morgan who finds themselves being held hostage by uh, by and called dorian uh the other one is set in 2021 where an art gallery curator named morgan who this time is a man is being held hostage by a woman called dorian um who is played by the same actress who played Morgan in the 1981. So there's like a mirroring of the entire thing. Um, okay, cool. It's it's very cool in, in, in concept. The execution's very good. So the kind of the storyline is almost identical if you make the same choices. But there's little tweaks for each time period. Like obviously the 1981 um, story can't have mobile phones, whereas the modern one does. And... It, the the context um, of the, the whole event. So in the 1981 version, the art gallery is about to receive a portrait of Maggie Thatcher, which obviously at the time is a bit of a controversial thing because 
she was a very controversial person in the country at the time. In the 2021 version, it's during the pandemic, people are wearing face masks. You've got like social media is dividing people and you have Brexit Boris and the whole, <laughs> yeah. So Damn, it, they've done their history. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it feels very genuine, very authentic, very British. And I think like if you were if you were to you know come from a different country and play this, I don't think you'd get as much out of it if you are unless you are British. Um, but if you are from our shores and you fancy an FMV game, which which goes there's, there's some really surprising stuff, and it's definitely worth playing because while the destinations are kind of the same, there are times when you'll unveil something which will completely change how you feel about certain characters. And you'll only do that once. Like it's 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 like the series of decisions you need to make to get to this point are wild. But yeah, just go and check it out. It's called The Gallery. It's on all the consoles and mobile phones and PC now. That sounds sick. It's worth yeah. a look. Yeah. yeah it's definitely. really interesting that you're talking about the mirroring of the two, like uh, what's names and they're kind of both simply like at a point of contention in the UK as well <laughs> like yeah. they're both polarizing figures and so I guess it's all lead all kind of ties into that sort of aspect yeah. of it yeah they, but Paul Rashid's done really well to identify that basically the 40 years that have, have separated 1981 and 2021 while society has moved on in, in a number of ways the same talking points exist yeah like, this there's there's a lot of like it mentions like racial tension mm. and obviously you know 2021 we had we had things in in the uk and in 1981 we had the brixton riots you know it's it, it's just it's incredible the way that like they've identified that these two points in time are very contentious will likely be remembered for the contention yeah. and while the, it, the game doesn't turn into a sermon which i think is one of its strongest points like it identifies that people are on both sides of this and there is humanity to both sides and that like rather than rather than try to force a, a particular political leaning on you it just it asks you to reevaluate and maybe just take stock of of morgan's life which it, it's really in the way it's done so like if, if you are kind to a particular player if you, if you are overly kind you're actually perhaps not doing them the, the best service you could, which is I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> um, there are some there are some unintended consequences if you are nice to particular characters. So yeah, it's fun, definitely worth a go. I do love a game that like pun not punishes you for being kind, but kind of like really because it's really easy just to pick all the human and nice answers, isn't it? And I do love a game that kind of really does stab you in the back a little bit when you do. That. That way you're like, I was just being a kind person. Now everyone's dead. Yeah, <laughs> Cause, absolutely. Because I was such a bystander instead. <laughs> <laughs> I was a pussy. Like <laughs> I just, I just said yes and no in the right places. Um, yeah. Th- there are times in this game where my my mouth has been left agape because <laughs> I, I played I played the game through one way and, and got to a particular like a character will get involved and I'll have a particular interaction with them. And then the next time the context changes and I'll get a completely different version of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh shit, I, like I should have seen this. But like all of the clues were there and I didn't see it. Um, and it's like, you know, like Chekhov's gun. Like there, there are particular conversations that you have, which only make sense in particular playthroughs. 
um they'll just, just feel like window dressing <laughs> in certain playthroughs but others they're like linchpins to the entire experience um it's definitely worth a go um the, I, there's going to be a review on the website probably by the time this podcast goes up um, nice but yeah go play sounds very, sounds very cool sounds awesome man uh miles what's the game of the week dude uh, mine's quite a shift away from something that's deep and political or whatever. Uh, mine's still rising. Uh, it's a steampunk revolutionary Paris set uh, Souls-like game. Um, and it's from Spiders. I think obviously, Sean, me and you had a bit of a conversation about this because you've played Spiders' previous work and I haven't. And apparently it's pretty shit. <laughs> um, yeah, but Steel Rising is not. It's actually really good. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. It's a probably one of the easier more accessible souls like games to play and i think if you are like a newcomer to souls games this wouldn't be a bad place to start with it because it's got a lot of the old trappings that the souls games or like elden ring for example now have moved away from like miyazaki's done a lot of work to make souls games harder for people over time with new tricks and different tactics and all the rest whereas this one's kind of like as Dark Souls was originally, um, but it's still got some of the more modern like accessibility stuff. So there's loads of checkpoints. It's got that Bloodborne-esque kind of like you go to different levels um, and they're kind of self-contained worlds. You then travel between them, um, but they've got loads of checkpoints. There's shortcuts that link back to all the different checkpoints that you get throughout the map. Um, interestingly, it's probably one of the easiest stories to follow because it's actually a direct narrative. So you are what's called an automat. You work for the queen or you're set up to just take orders from the queen. She tells you to go out, look for these figures, and you end up kind of helping the revolutionary figures who have been beaten by the king um, to kind of rise up again and help them overthrow him. Um, and you save a bunch of important people along the way. Um, and there's actually cutscenes for it. There's loads of direct dialogue telling you exactly what you're doing, why you're going somewhere, and how that's helping you achieve your objective. So if you've, <clears throat> I know kind of me and you, Josh, we discussed on the Elden Ring podcast of how it can really turn people off from Souls games of that really kind of abstract storytelling where they don't actually tell you what you're doing or why, and you kind of have to watch a three-hour video after the game to figure it out. Uh, this isn't like that. It's much more direct, which is nice. Um, and gameplay-wise, there's a load of different weapons. Um, it's very standard Souls combat. The only real element it brings in is, again, a kind of Bloodborne element where when you run out of stamina you have like a time frame where the bar fills to maximum and then goes down and the quicker you hit it the more stamina you recover but you inflict like a frost elemental on yourself and if you build up too much of that you get frozen obviously putting you at risk and if you miss it as in you just get the timing wrong you then have another two or three seconds without any stamina and if you miss it six times in a row that will just stack. So there was one point where I missed it like five times and I got smacked a lot, but managed to survive. So as like a nice kind of element that makes you want to play more aggressively, but without kind of punishing you if you don't want to play like that. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it's one of the easier ones. If you are a newcomer, this is a place that you can kind of come into it and you'll probably have a much easier, smoother ride of joining in. Um, but the world is really nice. The atmosphere is great. Only thing is, if you get this on PC, I hope you have a really powerful one because it will otherwise blow up your PC. For some reason, it is very nice graphically. It's got some really cool effects and every level that you load into doesn't have a loading screen once you're in the level. But my God, it asks so much of your PC and I think it's just a little bit poorly optimized for what it should be. Um, bit like Bloodborne on PS4. Um, so yeah, like I said, very Bloodborne-esque. If you like Bloodborne, you like this one. Um, and it's worth going into. I really enjoyed it. And there's a full write-up on the website. Nice. 
nice. That sounds very, very good. I remember you enjoying it very, very much. Um, yeah. Uh, my game of the week is pretty much, it's not really my game of the week. It's just the only game I can talk about other than Days Gone for the third week running uh, because both of my embarkers are up tomorrow. Um, so this is a game called City Eye. Um, City Eye is a game where you essentially spy on the city and you have to highlight and tell any crimes or emergencies that are happening in the city so it kind of gives you like just like a city-esque view and then you can toggle between cameras and you can move the cameras um and and yeah and so you'll have certain cameras that you can upgrade to so you start with a basic camera and you 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 physically have to look around and see if anyone's like fucking around um and then you click on them and then they will tell you like oh you can call the police um or you can call an ambulance um and then you can upgrade to like at the end of your shift so your shift is like i don't know like eight minutes long it's quite like it's quite a i don't know i felt like i sat there for quite a while in the end um so i think it's around eight to ten minutes long and um you get like a certain amount of money and then you'll also get a certain amount of money for every crime that you've um like call and also if there's any special events and stuff like that and to be fair that like it kind of sounds like quite an interesting like it just sounds like I don't know like really I don't know it just it felt like a cool game except it just felt really 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 flat and really boring really quickly and I think that's also because I played it for two hours longer than I needed to because the game at the beginning tells you that you need to get your um your city down to 20 percent crime rate before you can move on to a different location and so I did that and then well I, I got it to like 30 and spent an extra two hours getting it to 20 um because it starts at like 70 and um and it was, I didn't move anywhere. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere else. And then I realised it meant the road. You need to get the road down to 20% before another road opens. Oh, anywho, the reason that it is kind of a bit just stale is that there's only like five crimes or six crimes, seven crimes maybe. They all look the same. They all have the same NPCs. The fight ones occasionally, and the gun ones occasionally switch out the NPCs. Um they all look the same and they're all in the same location so if you've been working the same road for like days at a time and it tells you um and you eventually get like an uh, like a semi-automatic camera it will tell you if there's a fire or there's a police like operation that needs to be called somewhere um you'll know where it is because you'll be able to kind of just click in that right location and be like oh, someone's fighting over there um and if you don't know where it is all you need to look out for are the people running like absolute fucking twats because they literally like and I, I put it in my review um, and I know Sean appreciate it they literally Phoebe Buffet run for like five seconds past the NPCs who are suspicious but they also run past anybody who is suspicious and not doing a current crime so you get these certain events where you have to look out for like people and if that person is just stood in the road the npcs will run past them like fucking fucking that's for like five seconds they're like proper like really and it's like a really funny run as well it's not a normal run and then they'll just walk normally again and you're like right well he's he's sus then isn't he um and weirdly as well like you you can't get anything wrong so like even if you're looking for like five suspects who have committed arson like you can just click on everyone until it allows you to call the police so it just got really boring really quickly. And then, of course, the more crime that you find, the less crime happens. Um, so you're sat there. And at one point, there was only like three crimes happening in the eight minutes that I would sit there for. And I was like, I'm so fucking bored. And the thing is, as well, you get less money. So you have less chance to like 
get more cameras and so it's just like well not less chance but you have like a longer time to wait and you have to do more shifts and it's just it gets very uninteresting very quickly it had a really good premise like if it had had different locations different crimes lots of things to do and you could get stuff wrong like if I could like suss out five people and they were like you got two of them right but you have to get like a hundred pound penalty for like locking up the wrong person I'd have been like yeah that's actually pretty interesting but it kind of just like spoon feeds you and that's sad uh it is a short game though so if it does sound like it's up your street you know (laughs) play it but but maybe don't maybe don't play that (laughs) uh so that's that's my game of the week until next week when I can talk about two games uh uh so let's let's shall we do a quiz shall we do a little bit of a quiz let's do a quiz why not um let's shall we do the same type of quiz we can do um now that fast finger tom isn't here <laughs> tonight maybe we might have a shot of other people answering the questions he is a quiz master he needs to go on the chase for like games or something because he is a fastest finger first kind of guy um so essentially if you haven't ever heard this podcast before, you have no idea what quiz this is. This is the Fast Finger First quiz. They're going to do emojis because we were doing buzzers, but then uh, that's, Zoom just isn't working that way. Um, so I'm going to call out the question and then they're going to fastest emoji to pop up on my screen, gets to answer it. If they get it right, they get a point. If they don't, they get frozen out and it goes to somebody else. You can play along at home too, but I won't be able to hear you, nor will you be able to put emoji up, but it's for fun. <laughs> Guys, I'll be ready. Yes. Sure am. Fabulous. Okie dokie. Yes. So, question one What is the currency in The Sims? Sean. Simoleons. Well done. Yes, certainly is. Uh, question two What was the first game um, to use? Well, what was the first Grand Theft Auto game to use 3D graphics? Oh, Josh. Grand Theft Auto 3. Nice one. Um, what does DS stand for in Nintendo DS? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, oh, Josh no, you went yes. up and down, but I, you put it down and then Sean cut in there. So I'm going to go to Sean. Yeah. I oh, know. I was, I was going to fuck around. I was just going to say Deep State. <laughs> <laughs> so I raised my hand, lowered it, and I was like, actually, it could be this. So... <laughs> This is my official submission. Dual okay. screen. It is. Well done. <laughs> Question four. What is the name of the dog in Overcooked? Josh. Is it Otto? No, it's not Otto. Sean. Is it Sausage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be incredible, but no. <laughs> Miles? I mean, I have no idea, but I'll say Ben. Oh, no, it's not Ben. His name is Kevin. You do Kevin levels. Well, they're, like, just a little bit harder. That's it. It's, it's a cooking game, and they didn't go with sausage jug. I'm sorry. I know, yeah, I know. They didn't go with... That <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually very true. I don't know why they went for Kevin. <laughs> um, question five. Who is John117? Oh. I really thought this was going to be like, oh, Miles. Is it Master Chief? It is Master Chief. Well done. Um, Number six, question number six. What animal head does King from Tekken wear? Sean. Tiger. A tiger? 
Yeah. She said tiger. I can't accept tiger for now, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miles, you're next. I'm scared now. I'm going to get this wrong. <laughs> um, I feel like it's a cheetah. Unfortunately, it's not a cheetah. Technically. Technically not, even though I think it's a cheetah. Oh. But apparently, according to the professional game, it's not a cheetah. Josh, you had your hand up. Yes. Is it a leopard? Oh, no, it's not a leopard either. Is it a jaguar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. Damn. I thought it was I thought it was a leopard as well. Like, oh. And a cheetah, or either one of them. I was like, oh, and then they were like, no, it's Jaguar. I was like, fine. How have we then. guessed every big cat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only one we missed was a puma, and that was <laughs> yeah. it. Like, Pamba, puma. <laughs> uh, what series? Nope. What species is Ratchet? Oh, Sean. Lombax. Yeah. Um, who? What is the first and last name of the protagonist in Red Dead Redemption? Miles. John Marston. Hold on. Oh, God, everyone's tying. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the name of Mario when he appeared in Donkey Kong? Oh, damn it. Sean. Jumpman. Yes, hold on. Um, and question 10. Where does Little Nightmares take place? Sean. In a dream. <laughs> what? No way! <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> You're technically, I guess. You're not wrong, but you aren't right. <laughs> uh, Mars. It looks quite rainy. I'm just going to say London. No, it's specifically, it's, it's called something. Josh? Ugh, nightmare Town. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if that was right, though. Yes, yeah, sure. No, no. <laughs> you sure got it right? Uh, no, it's a place called the Moor. Oh. Yeah, hmm. there we go. But that's good because that means none of you have tied, and <laughs> that means we do have a winner. So well done, Sean. Well you done, got Sean. a big old score of three. Josh, you got two. Miles, you got two. So it was a t- it was a tight one this week. Oh, on, this guys. was a close four, uh, close four race this time. It was a very close four race this time. Well done. Well done, all, um, and well done if you got any when you were listening. Um, so I guess we should jump in to our first topic of the week, and we've had a lot of showcases <laughs> this week. Oh, um, and I guess we should jump into let's jump into Disney Marvel first because I think that we'll have a little bit more to talk about potentially um, with the Ubisoft one. So I will go round. To everybody and I will see what you fancied from Disney Marvel just your quick thoughts, I won't go through each one of them uh, just because we might be here all night like the Xbox showcase uh, <laughs> but were there any highlights were there any things you didn't care about was there anything you would have liked to have seen uh, Mars uh, for Disney's one I I like the look of Alien Dark Descent um, I like the kind of tactical turn I think it's not turn based but it's kind of like a tactical strategy uh like approach which I think is quite an interesting take for that universe because they've not really had a game like that as far as I'm aware of um so I'm super excited for that one Midnight Suns also looks really cool uh right on my street it looks just XCOM with a card based system which apparently card based systems are my new favorite thing um 
and with Marvel characters. So what's not to love? Uh, so I'm really excited to see again more of that. But it was nice to see another trailer and know that it's coming out right next to Callisto Protocol in the beginning of December. Um, those were my two main highlights. I think Mirrorverse was the one that kind of looked interesting, but I'm not the biggest fan of Rumbles, Royales, Smash Bros type games. Um, but maybe this might be the one to draw me in because uh, I know, obviously, Josh, you've spoken a lot about multiverse and stuff. So maybe that one will draw me in. Uh, other than that, there wasn't particularly anything else I was that bothered about. Um, I thought a lot of the showcase was just kind of stuff happening and for different people, which is nice. They're catering to different uh, niches and whatever. Um, but they've got some good stuff coming out. Uh, they got the Star Wars game as well and a couple of other bits that they didn't really show off, but are in the pipeline. Um, so, yeah, I'd say those are my highlights. Nothing else made too major for me. Nice. Um, yeah, I kind of agree uh, what you said. I'll quickly run through them at the end, just as a quick highlight for everybody. But um, Sean, any highlights from the Disney and Marvel Games Showcase for their first debut of this year? Um, I was very uh, surprised and excited about the Tron um, game from Mike Bithell. Yeah. The studios, because it looks like it's going to follow, you know, the subsurface circular game kind of formula. And those games are great. If you've not played them, they are very thought-provoking visual novel-style games. And yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm on board with you know, Tron is just rife, ripe. Sorry, not rife. <laughs> <laughs> it is ripe to be exploited in games, and it, it feels like they've they've always attempted to replicate the kind of the sports, you know, the the light cycles and the the sports, but actually. It's deeper, so that that's there's a real opportunity to do something really cool there. Mm. Um, I'm, I liked the co-op Mickey Mouse and Friends game. That looked what, awesome. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Is it like Illusion Island? Yeah, it? Illusion Island. That one's called coming exclusively to Nintendo Switch. Like I, that, that sounds great. Um, Avatar. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it looks like Far Cry in space. So, yep, cool. <laughs> um, they they did they spent time with Monkey Island, which obviously. Mm-hmm. I was sat. Your absolute jam. <laughs> yeah. Absolute strawberry jam, that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Gargoyles Remastered was a bit of a surprise. Um, I'm really glad that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but other, I mean, it was a great show. I mean, I know that like, not every, I think there was some disappointing parts of this. So like Mirrorverse, for example, looked incredible. Like for a trailer, I was like, oh, they're doing like a Marvel, uh, vill- like DC villains game. Like, you know, you get the villains, you play together, mm. and it's coming out on mobile. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, you know, I, I think they, they are catering to a lot of people, um, and, and some of it was catered to me, which, you know, I'm really happy about, because yeah. I didn't expect it, to be fair. So, good show all in all. Nice. Nice. Uh, Josh, what were your feelings about the show, and was there anything that you're looking forward to in the next kind of year or so? Um... Nothing popped too much for me. Uh, one highlight for myself was probably that Marvel Snap game. Uh, it's like a mobile collectible card game. Uh, someone compared it because they played the beta. They compared it to like a light version of Hearthstone. Um, and it's set in a Marvel universe. That sounds quite interesting. It's like it'll probably end up being like a free to play with, you know, the, the micro transactions to buy cards and that. But the kind of comparison to Hearthstone and that being kind of a, a huge card 
game that everyone loves. Like that's no, that's quite a big compliment to be had for it. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about that one. I think I might, you know, sit being on mobile, probably give it a go and see how I fare with it. Mm. Um, and then probably the other one is the untitled one from Amy Hennig mm-hmm. uh, and her studio and what they're putting out. Um, it was. Um, <laughs> It was a little bit surprising uh, to the kind of genre that she's going for. She's quite known for her narrative stories and stuff like that. So it was a bit like a four-player co-op. Is that is that really the direction that we should be going in? But you know, she knows she knows what she's doing, and I think with that pedigree, it could turn out to be like a better a, a better co-op game that we've seen in other studios and other games do. So I'm you know another one to be cautiously optimistic about. Um, but other than that, uh, it, 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 there was a few things that looked interesting, but what about you, Kat? Um, well, thank you for asking, Josh. Um, yeah, I really liked uh, the look of Illusion Island. I think that looks like a great little uh, game, like full power up, and it's like adventure. And yeah, it's a shame it's going exclusively to Nintendo Switch, but luckily I do have a Nintendo Switch, so that'll be cool. Um, I think it's couch co-op as well, but I don't know if it is going to be online as well. So we'll have to see. Um, it does say split screen. Oh, no, online and local split screen. Fabulous. So that looked awesome. Um, I liked Mirrorverse, but like Sean was saying, it's on mobile. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, it could be something to do at work. <laughs> um, if work are listening, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> and do you know what? I was pleasantly surprised by Speedstorm. So Speedstorm being the kind of... I'm never really into like racing games that essentially are carbon copies of Mario because they don't do it as well. It never does do as well. It's always kind of the same thing. They're trying to replicate the same formula. But actually, it kind of looked pretty cool. It did look, you know, looked all right. I was, I was kind of like, you know what? I quite fancy that. I quite fancy diving into Disney racing. <laughs> so, so those are mine. Um, for anybody who didn't catch the show at all, I will jump through very quickly what was announced. So, as Josh mentioned, we had Amy Hennig and Skydance New Media's new game of Marvel. It's essentially Captain America and Black Panther set in World War II. Um, like Josh was saying, it looks like a bit of a four-player co-op or, you know, we don't know yet. We've only seen a very, very small amount. Uh, we have Marvel's Midnight Suns um, and that's, yeah, we saw a little bit of gameplay to that. Uh, Tron Identity, the new visual novel adventure uh, from Biffle Games. We had Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. You can play as Goofy, you can play as Donald Duck. Illusion Island exclusive for Nintendo Switch. Um, we essentially had Marvel Go, which was... <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know what it is. They showed so little of it that it looked essentially like Marvel Go, but Pokemon Go, but with Marvel characters. Um, so that looks like it might be fun for people who really enjoy that. Um, there's also Avatar Frontiers of Pandora got a really quick gameplay overview. Uh, Marvel Snap, uh, Return to Monkey Island got a new trailer um, and a little bit of a release date. Um, Aliens Dark Descent, I know that that's been flying around for some time, so it's nice to see a bit of that. Um, she'll mention Gargoyles Remastered, I'm sure that we bumped into the collection with uh, Aladdin and uh, Lion King. Uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley coming to, um, or adding a new Toy Story kind of story. I didn't know that was on PlayStation and I really like the look of it, so I think I am going to buy it because everybody is raving about it. Well, Ross is raving about it um, and so is Chris Gullion. So I'm going to check it out. 
Um, then we saw the new ML, MMORPG for Avatar, uh, Avatar Reckoning. That got a little bit of a trailer. We saw some DLC for Lego Star Wars. We saw Disney Speedstorm, which was a racing one I was just talking about. Um, and as well as Disney's Mirrorverse, which we talked about on mobile. And we saw a little bit of Marvel Strike Force because they are adding Red Hulk. And that was your lot. So actually, yeah, a great, I think a great first showing. Uh, this is the first time that they've done a showcase. So uh, yeah, I don't think not bad at all. And it wasn't too long. I hate when showcases are too long. They're wow, 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 and about nothing, um, which might have been a bit of my beef with Ubisoft. So I guess that's that's what we should do. We should jump straight into the Ubisoft. So we also had the Ubisoft Forward showcase, um, which was on, which was last night. Um I mean, I don't know how, how to really go about this. I mean, do we talk about everything or do we just jump straight into Assassin's Creed? I think the best thing to do is to jump into everything Assassin's Creed uh, and then come back to everything else. There was loads of Assassin's Creed love yesterday for the fans and the community. Lots of things announced, lots of things coming, lots of things being added. Um, I'm going to go to our resident ACA, who I know has absolutely slammed lots, hundreds of hours into some of these games. Sean, give us the rundown. Give us the hype of AC. What are you looking forward to? Is there anything you don't care about? Is there anything that blew your brain out? Okay. I <laughs> okay. I, I, I apologise if this is like a stream of subconscious because I have been nothing but excited since the show, <laughs> the show aired. So I, I, I enjoy the Assassin's Creed games. Um, I've probably, you know, more fun than most people who call themselves a fan as in you know I've, I've spent a lot of time just pouring through the history and whatnot and what they gave us here was like basically seven different projects that they were announced they got the the um Assassin's Creed Mirage which is coming out next year uh this stars Basim who was in Assassin's Creed Valhalla it's a stealth orientated game um that's going to be set in Baghdad and it's it's essentially going to be the end of the uh, saga that we've had with Layla, Hassan and the modern day. And I won't spoil it, but obviously the, the end of Valhalla sees, sees a different character kind of take the reins. And if you've been following Assassin's Creed since day one, you obviously your modern day protagonist has changed. You started with Desmond Miles and then you had the, you know, that was Assassin's Creed 1, 2, th- one, two Brotherhood and 3. And at the end of 3, then we changed over for Assassin's Creed Black Flag 4 and for Rogue to basically being an Abstergo employee. Once the, and we went from those two for Unity and Syndicate, we had the Initiates, which was uh, like a, a playable, a non-playable character that just saw what happened to the Assassins in the modern day. And then when we started with Origins and Odyssey and Valhalla, we had Layla Hassan, who kind of became the modern day equivalent of Desmond, Desmond Miles. So this this game is going to finish off that saga because moving on from there, what's coming next is is this this collection, this portal that they're going to start, which Infinity, which is going to be like your 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 new saga for Assassin's Creed, and they've announced two games, maybe three, depending on if one is actually included within it. The first being Assassin's Creed, uh, codename Red, which is basically what everyone's been clamoring for for years. Your samurai. And set in Duke feudal Japan, you know what we saw was was great. Um, 
interestingly, this is this isn't going to be a stealth orientated game. It is going to be the kind of same game as Valhalla. So obviously, stealth is a part of you know all Assassin's Creed games, but it's not going to be heavily focused on stealth, despite despite the fact that you're going to play as a shinobi, whatever. Um, and then the other one is um, Assassin's Creed Hexe, um, which is which they haven't mentioned anything about, but I I have I have already started to dig, and I have I have a theory. So I apologise while I just like headcanon this theory at you. No, tell us, because if you are right, it's going to be pretty fantastic in what, like a year's time when it's, <laughs> when it's oh, announced. You're going to feel really cool. I hope so. Um, so the, the general vibe of the trailer, if you go and watch it, basically th- there's like a very dark, very un-Assassin's Creed style vibe to it. And it looks as if it's witches. And I, I started to think about like, you know, famous witches and, and one of the most famous that I think fits kind of the, the context and vibe of Assassin's Creed is Catherine Montvoisin. Um, she was, she lived in France in the mid uh, 1600s. She went by the name of Lavoisin um, and she was one of the heads of uh, L'Affaire des Poisons. It was like a cult of poisoners in France at the time. She basically ha- like she practiced what they called a witchcraft but she mixed potions and poisons she told fortunes and she led like black masses where people could come and and you know have celebrate the devil um but basically she she was involved in a plan to poison um louis the 14th who went on to have the longest reign uh, of any european leader 77 years i think he was leader of france um so the, the point being that Louis XIV has shown up in Assassin's Creed a few times in the past, and there are hints that he may have been in possession of one of the staffs of Eden, hence why he was able to live and lead for such a long time. So my headcanon is we would play as either Le Voisin or one of the witch poisoners, and uh, we would be taking out members of the aristocracy in France, which happens to you know, a couple of games later, like a, a couple of descendants later, obviously to kind of ties into Assassin's Creed Unity because in Unity you're going after a cult that's obsessed with Louis the Fifteenth's offspring. So, yeah, I I have thoughts. <laughs> I have you know. Wow, that is a deep dive, and if you are right on that, that would well, be chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it, it'd be odd for them to do France again. But it's not the first time they've re- replicated replicated somewhere. You know they've done uh, Rome. Mm. Um, so like, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Um, there's there's so much they could do with the, like a you know we, we could do the the witch trials either in Britain or That's we could sick, or the Salem ones. The Salem witch trials. You know, there's it. It feels like if they if they're gonna do down this like supernatural route, obviously they're not gonna go full supernatural. But you've got these pieces of Eden which have 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 you know. It, the way that they use them in Assassin's Creed is to explain a lot of the mythology and these legends. Like, you know, in, in Odyssey, you had a, a Minotaur, um, and it was like, well, why is a Minotaur in this? This this can't be real. And it was like, well, it was a person that held a piece of Eden for too long, and that was that's like how they explained it. You know, the piece of Eden twisted this person to make them a Minotaur. So obviously, you've got this. You know, there's, there's a lot of potential here. Um, They've also announced Assassin's Creed um, codename Jade, which is a mobile game, and it's set in China. Now, 
a lot of people kind of disappointed that this going on to mobile, but then I, I sat there and thought to myself, well, China is predominantly a mobile game-centric country. Uh, if you're going to release a mobile game in China, make it about the Chinese, um, <laughs> and, and you're going to sell a fuck ton. So, yeah, I understand why they're doing that. Um, they've announced the final chapter for Valhalla, which is going to tie up all the loose ends from that game, which I imagine will probably lead into whatever's going to happen with Assassin's Creed Mirage. And we've got a TV show coming to Netflix, um, which we, they'd already announced, but they kind of confirmed was going to tie into the games in the future. So, yeah, it's excellent. Everything was good. Everything was amazing. Um, they, I mean, a lot of people were disappointed they didn't show gameplay from Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, I'm kind of, kind of understand why they didn't. <laughs> um, Everything that's coming out about like the early impressions is this is going to be a dense, a dense Assassin's Creed game. So it's going to you know you know the last time we had something this dense is likely to be Unity, and Unity was buggy as hell until about two months afterwards and they fixed it and it was brilliant. Um, so I I just get the feeling that they didn't want to show footage until they got it in the right space. Mm-hmm. We, we did see some screenshots and it does look you know looks. <laughs> like Aladdin, basically. Um, <laughs> it really does, actually. Even that kind of scene where he's running through the marketplace and he has to drop all the like <laughs> stuff on the floor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah. I, you know, it looks like an Assassin uh, Assassin's Creed Aladdin game. Um, whether we're going to have a magic carpet and whether we're going to have a whole new world <laughs> or not. Um, <laughs> talking monkey. Be a tiger friend. Who knows? Who knows? You know. Um, friendly parrot who knows I think as well it's an established IP so like gameplay footage it's going to look like an Assassin's Creed game like regardless if, even if it goes to an old formula or a new the new formula where it's more RPG like we're, we're going to know what it looks like essentially just a different setting so I think setting the tone of the of the, the, the game is way more important than showing us how it looks when it plays because it's going to look right it's going to look good regardless absolutely yeah, and they've got some decent voice talent behind it with um, the lady whose name I can never pronounce properly, so I won't bother. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she announced yesterday, wasn't she? She's like a, she's really, really famous and she's really, <laughs> really, really well spoken as well. I've won awards. She's, she's done no some shit and stuff, you know? <laughs> I think, I don't, sorry, go on. Go on, Josh. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, um, coming off from that point, like, uh, it's before the the reveal of it like they already mentioned that loki is going to be a part of this um and i'm quite ignorant to the series post origins because i started origins and then i thought odyssey was a bit too big and valhalla was a bit too big to like be able to finish satisfyingly so i didn't carry on with that but with what you were saying about hexy and stuff like that going a bit more of a mystical route like having these characters like you said the minotaur and now loki and mirage like they, I feel like they're going in that more mystical direction for the series as well. I mean, it makes sense because if you're going to do like an action RPG, fighting people can only go so far. Yeah. Um, I've I've been revisiting some of the old Assassin's Creed games this week since uh, like I just got so hyped around the show and I just you know I dived into Freedom Cry and I've, I've been playing Brotherhood again and it you know the 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 combat's it's fine. But it's so formulaic because they're all people. Um, 
and you know it's like okay well i've got this guy in a metal thing i'm just going to grab him and slice his throat that's I, I know that i need to do that for all of them um if they can introduce different like more mystical beings and with valhalla obviously you know um they they kind of they didn't bother trying to explain the fact that these things were real because i think we kind of all you know we all kind of accept that the world was once a, a more magical and wilder place um, but if you do, do dig into like the into the the documents that you unlock and scan and things, a lot did they try to explain a lot of this stuff in a more scientific way rather than it being just like a magical thing? Um, like the the pieces of Eden, um, that they are probably going to be, and I don't kind of want to spoil the end of Valhalla, but um, the the trailer for the the final chapter kind of did that anyway. anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, the at the end of of the game, um, the, the the character has evolved um, in the modern day, and it, it obviously the 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 overriding kind of modern day story of this is that that you had you had this ancient the Isus who who lived before mankind, they had a, a an apocalypse event, and several of them have managed to come back to the modern day through various means um one of them obviously through the computer games that were in um assassin's creed 4 and, and rogue and obviously it was kind of finished off in a comic and then you had the initiates and in uh, unity and through syndicate so like the overall like the overriding story of the modern day is kind of coming to fruition and it's been building towards this since like day one like since yeah. the first game and I don't like. I don't. I don't want to say it outright, but I mean, there is, there there is potentially a really interesting angle that they could do with, with Mirage and the characters that are left over from Valhalla. So, and I feel like as well, since the first game and that kind of Desmond saga, they've been building up towards like maybe a modern day Assassin's Creed as well. I don't. I think we're still a ways out now. I think the way they're trying to build the world is to really like get to that point a lot further down the line but um do you do you think it would uh, ever have a game in the modern or do you think that's kind of just the story template that they're trying to head towards i think we'll probably see some of that with this infinity platform i imagine mm. what we'll have is um so back in the day we used to have like desmond miles in you know in a in a, in a modern day location and would explore that location in the modern day based on the information that we picked up in the past. And I get the feeling that when they move to this platform and this this infinity is going to be the way that they move these games forward, I imagine they're probably going to be including more of a modern day aspect. I don't I don't know if they will ever do a a modern day Assassin's Creed because you've got like watchdogs and I know they, sure. they have they have franchises that they probably could eat the lunch of. <laughs> like um yeah. and the, the the thing is that they it, it's a franchise that does lend itself to modern day, but also before they get there, they've got so much that they could do. Um, you know that there's there's been hints around World War Two and the death of Hitler in the games. You know whether they would ever go there or not, I'm not entirely sure. But you know to have a World War Two you know trench warfare where you're trying to you know and they have the gameplay for that now with this this the action RPG style, so. Yeah, man, so much they could do. 
if, if they do ever get to the modern day, I've no doubt that that would be a pretty incredible game, given the amount of studios they have available to them that do really good modern day games. So, yeah. I'm excited. Real excited. Can you tell? <laughs> oh, that's... Josh, were you going to say something then? No, I've been, oh. I've been muted. I was just... Oh, so at... weird. So weird. <laughs> something came in at the end of Sean there. Um, uh, Mars, Josh, where are you with um, Assassin's Creed? Are you excited? Uh, because there's a lot going on here. I mean, Sean's done a really good deep dive uh, there just to explain absolutely kind of everything that is coming for the next kind of year or so, maybe even further down the line. But... You know, where do you guys stand with with AC? Are you excited? Are you having a good time? Is this good news, or are you? Kind well, of like... I, I like I mentioned earlier, like after Origins, they just felt a little bit too big to for me to manage because I'm quite yeah. a completionist, and like time is time is of an essence at this point when playing games. Like I want to be able to finish them relatively soon. And fair play to Ubisoft. Like I, th- I feel like they found a market where people, when they play games. They probably they might only play Assassin's Creed because there is so much in them and so much time to be able to spend in them that it really hits a market. Um, but Valhalla is an interesting uh, part of history, you know the Norse mythology start stuff of it, like uh, the whole Ragnarok uh, DLC they were adding. Like it was really, <laughs> I got really close. I mean, it's now on PlayStation Plus and stuff like that. So I, I am like very close to ditching all the games that I've got on my backlog to start that uh, journey. Um, but yeah, like, um, like Sean said, uh, Red, the one set in Japan, like that's, that's got to be the one that I'm most excited for. I think, yeah, since day one, everyone has wanted a feudal Japan setting. And whilst Ghost of Tsushima kind of definitely had some Assassin's Creed uh, formula in there and I think a lot of people were saying this is like the uh, the Japan Assassin's Creed that we never got I, I don't think that you can compare the two when it comes out but like I think now is going to be there like well if we wanted to do it this is how we would and they'll really impress us with it for sure for sure um, and I completely agree with your sentiment of like they're a lot you know, people can. I've got somebody who, like, all she plays is AC and she has no other games. And she so desperately wants to get into Horizon, but like, she's so overwhelmed with the amount. Of, she just loves it, but that's all she plays. And they are such massive games, aren't they? Like you said, time is of the essence. And I think that's why I haven't jumped in because I know what I'd be setting myself up for, but I really want to do it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And like, I play to Ubisoft for creating a kind of world like that where you can just dive in and, and live there essentially for you know however long you, t- you take really uh Miles uh we haven't come to you yet for any Assassin's Creed stuff how did you find um the showcase really because a lot of the showcase was dedicated to Assassin's Creed where are you with with AC um I know you 100% one of them and then said that's enough for me for now um <laughs> is there, are any of these kind of tempting you back so I guess in terms of my history, I played every Assassin's Creed until Odyssey. Um, I've platinumed the majority of them, even Unity and Syndicate, which took absolutely forever. And then <clears throat> with Origins, I really enjoyed the new change, thinking it was just going to be a one-time thing. And then I realized quite quickly it wasn't going to be. I jumped into Odyssey. I enjoyed a lot of Odyssey, but for me, it was 50 hours too long. Or maybe I put 50 hours too many into that game that I shouldn't have. And it kind of taught me that 
I like Ubisoft stuff. I don't like their massive 100-hour open-world formula now. But having said that, I've kind of joked with yourself and with Josh recently that every time I see Assassin's Creed Valhalla in the store, I'm kind of like, it's on the subscription. I could. I could jump in now and there's no reason not to. And this is what happens to me is like, I'll get burnt out on it for a bit. And then there's something that will entice me back to it. And so I think the idea of a feudal Japanese one, it it doesn't even matter what game it is. If it's feudal Japan, I want to play it. So I'm probably going to play it. Like, I think this will be one that brings me back in even if it is the same template, just because I love the setting so much. I do think, and Josh touched on this, like Ghost of Tsushima kind of stole that thunder because everyone was saying for, you know, the best part of a decade, like they need to do one in Japan and they didn't. And Ghost of Tsushima wandered in and was like, hey, I'm a game of the year contender. And I, you know, people were saying that they did it better than Ubisoft did. Um, but they're not really the same game as much as, you know, they're easily comparable. It's a bit like when Infamous and Prototype came out at the same time and people always compared them, but they played quite differently. And I think this will be the case with, um, was it Red? It was Red. Um, So I'm excited to see more of that and know more about it because I think that could be one that brings me back in. Mirage entices me because I like the idea of it going back to its old formula. I love all of the original Assassin's Creed games. Um, I just really enjoyed the approach of feeling more like an actual assassin whereas in the newer entries it's much more of a a witcher 3 open world type role playing where the assassin part's kind of not the most important bit to it um so in that in that way i think what ubisoft are doing is they're just catering to different audiences and i think they know they have a franchise that is so big that they can do that they can turn this franchise into any kind of niche or genre or whatever and people will enjoy parts of it. The mobile one doesn't interest me whatsoever, but like Sean said, that's not really for me. It's for people who in China play on the mobile. Um, the other bits and bobs wasn't too fussed about, but yeah, Mirage and Project Red have me quite intrigued and interested in this series. Um, I thought the Mario Rabbids thing kind of looked cool, but I don't think I'll actually play it, but I thought it was an interesting thing. Um, but I felt like there was a lot of talking in this showcase rather than showing and i was a bit kind of like i want to see the games in action and i get why they probably haven't but it did feel a bit like oh yeah we've shown you this really cool thing and i was like have you though you show me a title screen and a pre-cg trailer like it's nice but i want more um but i did say to you cat you know ubisoft do do a good trailer all of the assassin's creed trailers are always like a fun time um so i like the trailers for what they are but i want to see more of the games themselves before i properly commit to them but in fairness to Ubisoft, they've they've got my intrigue peaked again, which they haven't had for a good year or two since I finished Odyssey. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that I'll be enticed back in, I think. Nice. Um, and aside from any Assassin's Creed stuff, we saw, like Miles has just said, we saw Mario Rabbids, Sparks of Hope getting uh, post-launch content with Rayman, uh, a Skull and Bones trailer and a little bit of gameplay and just a whole lot of talking. Uh, we saw Trackmania, uh, a Just Dance announcement, Rainbow Six mobile gameplay has been revealed. Uh, the Division Heartland um, is going into another testing phase. Uh, Division 2 Season 10. Season 10! Christ. Uh, the Division Resurgence, a mobile spin-off. Uh, Riders Republic, uh, The Crew, um, and a little bit of uh, Mythic Quest. Um, we also got news that Brawlhalla is crossing over with Castlevania. Um, and yeah, I think that was everything apart from like 
like uh, Sean was saying around the Assassin's Creed stuff. Was there anything there from anybody that um, piqued your interest? Uh, anything else from the Ubisoft, or do we just care about Assassin's Creed? I was interested in Heartland until they announced it was a free to play survival thing, and then I wasn't interested anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah, disappointing that, for me. That'll do it. That'll do it. I know Ross yeah. will be looking forward to Just Dance. <laughs> <laughs> the totalitarian game. Yeah, we need to talk about the Just Dance trailer though, because this was the era. Because <laughs> there was no dancing panda. <laughs> Where's the fucking panda gone? <laughs> this has been a staple of like a genuinely. Me and Ross have sat and watched E three Ubisoft presses for about a decade together. And every time there's been a dancing panda, and there was no dancing panda this year. Oh my god, David, he's in the veterinary. <laughs> it's just absolutely like Ubisoft put a bullet in the brain of <laughs> good. Like, I wonder if nice. they've received hate for that. I want to see. I want to see. I want to check out on Twitter and be like, "Yo, that's the panda, though." <laughs> I think it's, it's probably just me and Ross that care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you should go give them hate. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to hate on them. I, like you know, <laughs> they do what they want. But I mean, but, I, I but, watched those trailers for the panda. But that stung. Did <laughs> did hit hit a little bit inside. Um, oh well. Did anything else that spark your interest at all? I think I was all in. Like yeah. I, I was. I, I knew that there was a lot of talking, and the fact that that what they've got is either like mobile, free to play. I mean. I'm really not sold on this whole the, the way that Just Dance's UI is now. I think it just looks so clinical and less like a party game. Mm. Um, but you know, I think everything was cool. Like they 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 did talk too much until they got to Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, some of the pre pre show stuff as well. They had like a For Honor stuff, like announcement of, of DLC, and it was just like. It was it was a weirdly put together show until mm. they got to the Assassin's Creed one. It feels mm. like the Assassin's Creed bit was probably the bit they wanted to show, and then they just kind of went, "Well, we've got some content updates." Because yeah, what the fuck should we show after and around? <laughs> yeah. So, so like like we said in the Slack, you know, it's it, it was called Ubisoft Forward, but actually most of the stuff they announced was already out. It's just it's yeah, it's already out. It's done, or it's a DLC, or it's a special release, or it's extra content, or it's yeah. So, oh, oh well. yeah. Oh, wow. Well, Assassin's Creed showcase. <laughs> um, Josh, anything else that you kind of took your fancy for Ubisoft or was it just AC? I think, yeah, it was just Assassin's Creed. Um, I saw that Vans was coming to Riders Republic. Cool. I'll wear some Vans shoes whilst riding <laughs> on a BMX. Oh, yeah, they added BMXs as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a game I put about an hour into and then jumped off very quickly. I don't even know why. Um, it's fun enough. Uh, I think maybe I just didn't give it a fair enough if a shake. Um, I think it maybe just played a little bit more clunky than what like steep was as a kind of snowboarding game. It just felt like getting to one, getting between the kind of action and the changing of vehicles and stuff was a bit too slow paced for me, but sure. cool vans. <laughs> Well, that was everything from (laughs) 
cool vans from the Ubisoft Forward uh, showcase this year. It was essentially a Assassin's showcase and they did do a very nice job of putting it together. Um, there was a really, really nice kind of trailer of all of the games that they've ever made um, all put together. I thought it was really cool. Um, and yeah, you'll have it. I'm sure we'll have more showcases in the future. I, I'm pretty sure we're due a PlayStation showcase pretty soon. Um, there seems to be a, a rotating rumour that it's like every month there's some sort of like leak, but it's definitely a pinch of salt leak every single time. But I'm sure we're due one. I'm surprised we haven't had gameplay showcase from PlayStation of Ragnarok. Maybe that's coming. Maybe that's imminent. We will. We will. Yeah. We'll get, well, we'll get it either by the end of the month or early next month, I reckon we will. Uh, I'm hoping that'll do. do. They'll do like a half an hour thing. I reckon 15 minutes will be God of War, like a breakdown of what's new. And then they'll sprinkle in a, a few things that might come next year or at the end of the year. Have you had a word um, of Tony Sony? Yeah, I, I, I called up Tony Sony and I just said, look, <laughs> come on. We've seen about 30 seconds from... Uh, seen them in a boat <laughs> from another out- yeah <laughs> we saw 30 seconds from another outlet uh can we just see a little bit more yeah. but at, at the same time like what else are we gonna see apart from just more god of war which we're all excited for anyway yeah um and then i think we've got tokyo game show to look forward as well nice. by the end before the end of the year so there's going to be way more to cover nice um Awesome stuff. So that brings us to our uh, kind of last news piece of the night. Uh, Crystal Dynamics and Edos gain control of the Tomb Raider IPs. Um, reading from, what am I reading from? Oh, I'm reading from Tweak Town. <laughs> who, who are you? I mean, great, cool. <laughs> They've covered it. Awesome. Um, so I thought I was on a completely different site. It doesn't matter. Tweak Town, how are you doing? Tweak Town have said Crystal Dynamics and Edith Montreal have now gained full control over the franchises they've made, including Tomb Raider, Thief, and Legacy of Kane. It's official now. Square Enix no longer own the major franchises. Now both studios have full creative control over these major franchises, some of which have been on ice for many, many years. Crystal Dynamics have now taken over control nope have now taken control over tomb raider and legacy of kane and have begun pre-production on a new tomb raider game built in unreal engine 5 how exciting guys that the the sean hype for ac is the is the hype and the fire in my belly that i feel for a lover lara croft game um but my question to you guys is what are we hoping to see from the takeover so now that they've got full control um something you may or may not know anyone listening or any of you guys is that edos used to own tomb raider so they they would they they the first six tomb raider games were developed by core design which was a game company a developer or developing company owned by edos interactive anyway so you know that now they've got completely you know full full creativity back maybe back you know question mark because square enix uh, no longer own them so you know the newer reboots are very very different from the original six do you think that they will go back to their roots do you think that they'll kind of stay the same way what are your thoughts um or do you even care because i care a lot but i know that a lot of people aren't into zoom reader um miles what are your thoughts on crystal alex eos I hope I'm saying it. I've always said EDOS, so that's that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I say IDOS, but... I Do you? Because it begins with an E, I've always said EDOS. It just feels more satisfying to say as IDOS, I find. Wow. <laughs> that might be a bit of an Americanism, though. Yeah, it might be, to be fair. Totally. 
Anywho, Miles, <laughs> Miles, what are you what are you thinking? What do you think is going to happen to Tomb Raider now that you know when Lara Croft finally reaches our consoles again? Um, I don't think they're going to deviate too much from the new trilogy in terms of the style of game they'll make. I think they're quite comfortable being the Uncharted uh, parallel studio in terms of, and that's a compliment, you know, the fact that they can be on a level with Naughty Dog and be compared to their games, I think is quite an impressive achievement for a studio like that. Um, And I think they'll continue with that kind of style of game. I imagine they're going to want to push forward either as like a not like a soft reboot but either a continuation of like that universe but maybe not a direct sequel but where she is now properly tomb raider and she's going around doing her own thing instead of being like the whole origin arc um so i think they're going to go in that direction it could even go down the route of like sort of what final fantasy 7 remake did with the original final fantasy 7 they could do something a little bit similar with the their original games um of bringing like the old stories that they told remaking it in an entirely modern fashion but then changing it to suit you know what they want to do now and the kind of story and how they want to tell it now um but i think the fact that they now have their creative control to do what they want to do is a good thing and i kind of part of me wonders if they're going to go even bigger because obviously the games that we had you know the first of the of the reboots and then shadow of the tomb raider they were kind of quite linear, although Shadow had like, and the original one had the open areas that you could go back to. It was a very kind of linear progression format. Uh, I think Rise of the Tomb Raider did a little bit better in being a bit more open world-ish mm-hmm. uh, with its kind of hubs and how you go back and forth and get places and whatever. Um, so I wonder if they might take that like another step, a bit like what Uncharted has done, where they're going to start expanding out into like bigger open worldy type sandboxes um, where you then kind of do things in different orders or you don't have to follow it as linearly um so i think that would be a, an interesting way to take it but also they've got thief back as well and i want a good thief game because the one on ps4 sucked and it deserves better and i spent way too many hours platinuming that game so i really want another thief game to come out that's good so I jumped into thief in like i don't know long long time i don't even think i played i don't know who knows? Thief's great. The PS4 one is not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I don't think I played the PS4 one. I think this, we're talking long, 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Sean, where are you with Tomb Raider? What, what do you what do you desire for the future of Tomb Raider now that Square Enix are no longer involved? Um, my, my only hope for Tomb Raider is that ADOS get to make what they want to make. And um, it seems like a lot of the companies that decide to sign up with Embracer do so because Embracer are they're not quite as as um, overriding and, and mm, boning more as freedom they. kind of thing. Absolutely, a lot mm. of a lot of companies that sign up to them say that actually they they just want us to manage ourselves mm-hmm. and to do our own thing for them to like be be the like you know the overseer of that. But for us, like when Milestone uh, signed up with them, their, their CEO was like. They didn't want to change anything. They just want us to have the money and then make the games. And it was like, what? Um, if if that's the case, I'm I'm really happy that the people at you know Ados get to do whatever they want to do with this this franchise. I would be happy with any kind of Tomb Raider, whether it would be linear, open world. I just think this is a series that deserves to carry on. And I feel like every series that they've adopted, so Deus Ex, um, Legacy of Kane. Thief, all of their old IPs deserve some love. 
Um, I think Tomb Raiders absolutely should be their first priority. It would be great if some somewhere along the line they could work with somebody to do a little Legacy of Kane game because that would be amazing. Um, that's a franchise that's just been through so much hell, so many cancelled games um, since the last one. Um, I think it was Soul Reaver 2, or no, um, whatever it was, and the one after that. So, like, th- there's so much, so many possibilities here, and I'm just really happy that, that they get to, to work on a franchise, and it sounds like they're going to get the creative freedom to do what they want. Um, I'm just glad they're not being lent out now because obviously for Ados and Crystal Dynamics and this this whole thing, you know, that their um their usefulness in the industry for the last like five years has been cast into doubt. You know, they were lent to Microsoft to help make a game which is now in development hell. Like, come on. Let's 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 give them the Jews. They they are one of the most prestigious studios ever. And you know. Let, let's give them the, the let's give them the flowers already. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we have very similar opinions on that one. Um, Josh, where are you, what would you like to see for the future of Lara? Um, I'd like them to keep most of what they started with that trilogy. To be honest, whether it's the actor, um, uh, the fabulous Camilla Ludington. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see them kind of change the formula a little bit because by the third one, I got a little bit bored uh, with how they were structured. But and the stories kind of fell flat, like in the third act, in two and three, for myself personally. Um, but if they can, if they can carry on what they've been doing, and then just kind of having their own creative control on what what they say goes on the kind of story aspect and kind of the gameplay aspect because they might not they might have not had that full vision without any uh influence of the overheads as to how it how it was executed so i'd like to see i'd like to see how um how they pull it off on their own and if if their vision is a lot better and i hope it is um i don't really want a soft reboot uh, I liked Miles's idea though, maybe going back to kind of the PS1 era stories and levels and then kind of just doing like a Resident Evil 2 style like reboot essentially of those games. I'd like to see them. Uh Thief, I'd love to see another Thief. Um but yeah, I'm just ha- I'm just happy that they can uh with Embracer and what Sean said, like I've I've seen that too, where companies are just basically like yeah, they're very hands-off. They just want us to do well and they want us to do what we want to do. So to hear that from a company when they're buying up out all these uh other companies, like it it initially always brings red flags. See like Microsoft and stuff like that. <clears throat> but it sounds like good things are coming from Embracer and what what they're what the companies they now own are gonna do with it. And I hope uh IDOS kind of flourish under that environment absolutely um as you all know i bloody love 
and I love those games. I love that series. Um, I actually think they are going to do exactly what Miles has suggested. That's that's exactly the route that I think that they've been going down or will eventually go down for quite a few months now. If not, I've been thinking that for quite a few years. That I think they are going to kind of remake, master, however you want to call it, um, the OGs because it's what the community have been screaming out for. Um, they are fantastic. They are amazing. They're still very replayable. Um, but I think there is a, a huge beckoning call for, you know, when they did anniversary and when they did, you know, that, that was great at the time because it was like, yeah, we can, you know, kind of sort of the first one. But yeah, to, to have what the kind of graphics that we have now, to have the visuals that we have now, to have the scope that we have now and pour that into one two and three for example to begin with oh that would be that'd be amazing you could like shoot me down dead and I would be fine to never play another game again (laughs) um so that's where I think they might go but I would also love to see like you said Josh I'd like to see a continuation Camilla Loddington actually hasn't said anything whether she is still reprising um Lara or it's going to go to someone else completely different I'd love to see Camilla back into it um yeah and it's really that's probably just contractual stuff though absolutely yeah probably not signed anything but I I reckon given given kind of her relationship with the character I reckon I hope so in a heartbeat she'd be like yeah why not she absolutely would love to I remember there was like a tweet a couple of years ago it's like when the next Lara and she said something like um, I I literally don't know anything, and whether that was you know like you said a market employee or actually that was her being quite genuine in the fact that she hadn't been approached yet. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it will be really be really. I can't remember. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's very interesting what they did with the with the reboot because uh, not the reboot, but like the well, I guess the reboot um, like the last three games because what they did was they kind of took a different angle with each game. So the very first one was kind of very like battle heavy and kind of like a, a bit of an open world it was less puzzles less kind of less exploring just kind of real bang bang I'm I'm Tomb Raider uh, the second one kind of had a mixture of both I like had a really nice balance um that was Rise and a lot of people will say Rise is the best one that trilogy I think that's the, the favored one um and then for the last one it was really puzzle heavy it was really explorative and I think that was a purposeful decision and I wonder if Ados or Eidos or Eidos will um kind of capitalize on on that to be like okay actually people preferred the balance let's go do that in the next one you know they, they like the open world element they like the battle element but there is a cave exploring element that, that needs to be done because that's the heart of Tomb Raider um yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, it's really great to have confirmed the next one is in development. That's pretty damn exciting. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully more news on that. Um, and that's pretty much it. I guess we get it out this week. That's actually quite a bit out this week. Um, and if you know of anything else, let me know. Who knows? My list might not be exhaustive. Um, so tomorrow, if my memory serves me right, we have um, Circus Lep Treak out hitting on consoles. On September 13th, we have Little Orpheus landing on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series XS, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Um, uh, also on September 13th, we have uh, Scourge Bringer, which is iOS and Android. Uh, so you Suck at Parking is coming out on September 14th, Xbox Series XS, Xbox One, and PC. This has massively snuck up on us. I can't believe this. 
but I will be buying this. Uh, Baron Breakfast comes out on Switch on September 5th. Um, Metal House Slinger lands on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series XS, PC September 15th. Uh, the Outer Worlds uh, drops on PlayStation 5 um, and Series XS also on the 15th, as well as Splitgate and Wayward Strand also hitting PC, PlayStation, Xbox and Switch. And Return to Monkey Island is coming to PC and Switch September 17th. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it before recommendations. I think I've done this the wrong way around. And do you know what? It doesn't matter. That's part of the chaos. Miles, what is your recommendation for this week, sir? Uh, my recommendation is a game called Moonbreaker, which is currently available for an early access kind of beta testing uh, this weekend. So it's about to finish. It'll already finish by the time that you hear this, so ignore that. Um, and then next weekend, uh, so the weekend of the 16th, um and it's like a turn-based strategy tactics type game it's got a really cool kind of sci-fi setting though the beta doesn't do any of the story stuff you're just getting the pure gameplay um it's really interesting it's more focused on like your movement and maneuvering rather than how best you use or deal damage which i found quite interesting so like in a match i was playing against another player they were absolutely destroying me for the first three rounds and then what i did was i called in two units and blocked their main captain into a specific spot and then I wailed on them for two turns and I won the match. And that's how you can win. Um, so your captain is the only one who has to stay alive. Everyone else is kind of expendable. Um, and it's just a really interesting kind of tactics game to play with other people. There's a couple of modes that are AI focused and the AI is very exploitative in the sense of you can throw down like a fodder enemy at them and they will put everything they have into killing that enemy as long as it's closer to them. So then you can just whack on their captain. They're dead. Um but it's it's a really good game and there's a lot of depth to it. There were three captains, a bunch of different units just in this beta, early access, whatever. So the depth of, you know, how many things you can synergize with, different abilities, different powers. At the start of every match, you get an option of three different sets of like special moves effectively. Um, and you can pick a combo of them. Um, so one is like an orbital strike that does damage in an area. One of them like heals a unit for five health, whatever it might be. Um, so between all these different things, the possibilities of the kind of build that you can make is endless and you can set up your own rosters. And a really cool thing is you can paint each individual unit type to your own liking. So you can customize each unit to look how you want them to. So it gives it like a bit of that Warhammer feel where you feel attached to those units if you've spent all that time painting them and making them look just as you want them to. Um, and the painting like simulator thing inside it is super in-depth. They have like a three-minute tutorial that you watch just to figure out how to paint them properly. So that was cool. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend it. If you're into those kind of games, you can check out the early access. You can request a key on Steam. Um, and like I said, they're doing another weekend with it before it releases on the 29th. So check it out. Nice. Nice, very nice, very nice. Uh, Sean, what is your recommendation of the week? Okay, I have three, but the first oh, one's going to be very nice. Good. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Don't nice. Worry. No, carry on. Recommend away. Okay, so the first is Tonics Tea Cakes. Um, I don't oh, know. Yes, <laughs> very just, British snack. <laughs> I just, I just feel like we need to spread the word because if there's any international listeners to this, you need to search for and obtain Tonics Cakes or Tonics Caramel Biscuit things. Yeah, Basically, the tea cakes it, is a good shout though. First, absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah. just whatever Tonics do, just get the tea cakes. Yeah, because. <laughs> If you've not, have never tasted, like you might have had a tea cake, but you've never had a tonics tea cake. You've had a tonics tea cake. It's like eating a cloud that's giving you diabetes. It's, it's, it's true. We actually sent them to our American friend, and he loved them. 
Right. Well, your American friend's yeah. got very good taste. Well done, American friend. Um, <laughs> so the, the second recommendation. Um, so if you go to Twitter and search for a user called Hobo Cat Games, um, this is a game developer. And a few days ago, they, paid, they posted something which went viral. And basically, it looks like Rollerdrome meets Dave Mirror's BMX. Um, it's basically Rollerdrome meets loads of aliens and gore and stunts. And it, it's it, the tweet is, thing I'm working on at the minute. And it is one of the most amazing creations. I don't even think it's got a name. I just need to share the fact that this exists here because... Just go, go and find the, the video uh, and just watch it in action because it just looks amazing. Um, there's like a, a, a motorbiker gunning down alien things, exploding things, doing manuals. It's looked crazy and good. Um, the final recommendation is for a game called Warlander, um, which is going into open beta this week. It's a new game from Croc Media. Sorry, sorry, play on. Um, they, I, I had a, a sneak peek at this game, and I only ever got one game, so I only managed to play one game during the preview session because it was like a facilitated play, so you basically sat down and played with a lot of other press people. Um, but this game is coming; it's free to play. But don't let that put you off because actually, this game has a massive amount of depth to it. It's kind of like Fortnite. Um, but it's Fortnite meets um, For Honor, and I don't know if you ever played this game called Happy Wars that came out on Xbox. Um, it's from the same developers as Happy Wars, but basically, you it's it's like a MOBA meets For Honor meets Fortnite meets a lot of other genres. But basically, the idea is you you partake in these strategic battles where you and hundred other players fight against a uh, hundred other players across the battlefield. And the idea is to try and destroy each other's castle. And it is so good. Like uh, the, the match I had, um, the, the second match ended within seconds because I sucked. Um, <laughs> you will get given strategic um, roles in the play. And as a team, you decide on your tactics. And so the first one we went with balanced and I was the king, the, the castle defender. And me and my team were just amazing at this job. We were like just, scaling up the walls of this fantasy castle and then raining down rapid fire bolts upon the people that were attacking us it was amazing um i had such a good time with it and then the second game we chose aggressive tactics which means you don't really have a defense team we went all you know balls to the wall against the other castle and they just steamrolled us the match was like a minute long because we didn't have anybody hit the castle to fight back um but it just it I don't think there's anything that you could look at right now about this game. The, the embargo goes up at eight in the morning when this, this podcast goes up. Um, so if, if you if you are looking for this game, it's going to be free to play on PC and then it's going to come to consoles and hopefully going to have cross-play. And I get the feeling this might be one of those games that kind of takes off. Um, it, it has a vibe about it, which is like, it, it, it's very, very well designed. and there doesn't seem to be any like predatory practices involved. Um, there is definitely no pay to win. So w- what I've seen about this game is really promising. And um, I-, I don't feel I can write about it because I only played like 1.2 of a game. Um, but when it goes up on Steam, I think tomorrow, 
or today if you listen to this. So um, go and have a look for Warlander from Play On. And um, yeah, give it a try. It's going to be free to play in open beta. So yeah, get on it. This sounds absolutely incredible. I'm going to download it. <laughs> Can't wait. And it's just such a weird mix of stuff that like, I'm sitting there going, okay, this is For Honor. And then it started. I'm firing huge bolts of fire arrows across their map. And I'm like, what is this game? What <laughs> a bit like Chivalry as well, it sounds like. As well. Oh, yeah. And I love both For Honor and Chivalry. So this sounds right on my jam. The the, the the aesthetic is very much like Chivalry because they've gone for like a, a, a European medieval vibe. But everyone's got like cool, awesome modern day style weaponry. So it looks like a crossbow, but it's like 50,000 bolts a second, you know, just like humming through bots. Oh my God, just like a <laughs> missile system. Like, oh, just, stop making me so excited. I can't get this hyped about a game. Damn it, it. It, was, it was really fun because, like, in the second game, um, obviously, boss handed to us, but that was because a robot spawned on the field. And basically, the first person to get to it gets to control it. <laughs> So, like, we were all at their castle gates going our arse handed to us, and they were, like, halfway up the field because they'd done balanced, as, like, you should have done. And um, they picked up this this robot and then just walked through all our walls. And it was just, like, our gates were just, like, nothing to <laughs> Swiss cheese. Yeah. And then there was, like, somebody called for a full-on retreat. And we were, like, yeah, no problem. And the, the guy from Play On was, like, yeah, you should have... Oh, never mind, the game's over. <laughs> <laughs> so late, you're lost. You, got, you guys sucked. Yeah, he was like, "Well, do you want to run that back again?" <laughs> like, no, you're okay, buddy. We got. Yeah, I, I can only get beaten up one time. I don't need it again. But like, I, I imagine once you get into like once this goes wider, and it definitely has the potential to like gather a bit of a community together because it is strategic, but it is really fun in the moment to moment place. Definitely worth a look. That sounds awesome. That sounds really, really cool. Um, Josh, what is your recommendation of this week, Uh So I'm going to recommend a little film called The Green Knight. Um, it's been out for about a year, I think, uh, maybe a bit longer. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime at the moment, which is how I watched it. Um, it is a dark fantasy film set in the Middle e- medieval uh, period based on the poem Sargoin and the Green Knight. If you're not familiar with that poem, don't get familiarised before watching it because it might, <laughs> it will essentially tell you the whole story. But it's basically a reenactment of that. And I think uh, the kind of elements that it presents is very theatrical in that way, like it would be a poem played out on, on stage. Um, but the cinematography is amazing. Uh, Dev Patel on it is superb. Is so good. Um, the sort of themes that it goes for uh, are just like, it's a very simple theme. Uh, and I think all old kind of art has like this simplicity to what they want to try and say because times were a bit, <laughs> a bit more simple back then. But yeah, it was, sh- it was shot really well. The pacing's amazing. It, um, there's, it's like shot in Ireland. So the, the scenes of like the, uh, the background is just phenomenal and I really enjoyed my time with the film uh and I didn't you know didn't pay any money to see it apart from the price of subscription uh and I just really enjoyed it I think there's a few good actors in there as well uh but yeah that's that's kind of it really what about you Kat what's your recommendation 
Um, I have two. I have um, a very small game that I jumped into a couple of weeks ago when I was um, kind of looking for games before I kind of started Days Gone. It's it's on the um, PlayStation Extra. It's just a really tiny, um, it's not tiny, but it's like a very small uh, puzzle kind of platform game called Gabucci. Um, essentially, it's like this little pixeled crocodile and you need to get from place A to B and the crocodile can turn like I'm going to call him a crocodile he's a square with some teeth and an eye but to me he's a crocodile um, and he has to get from one place to another and it's filled with boxes and different colored boxes now these boxes will either be white or they'll be red and you can turn the crocodile white or red now if you turn the crocodile red and he jumps on a red box he will eat that box so you have to be quite strategic you have to kind of like puzzle your way through to the, the other door um yeah it was it was it was it passed the time and if anybody does like those kind of games where they just you know you kind of want to strategize and you like those kind of it very much reminded me of of like an app game to pass the time if you are kind of feeling you know empty and you you've had a look at it and it's on extra so it's free anyway um yeah I quite enjoyed it kind of a little bit of a filler a little bit of like brain in the jar kind of thing it's not too difficult um everything is pretty much easily worked out it has like two buttons movement and then changing your color that's my first recommendation my second my second recommendation are the minion squashies and they're half yellow half blue and they taste like foam bananas and they're banging they're like blueberry e foam bananas and they're very good and they're a pound and you can get them in most stores um but i think they're limited edition because of the film so get them while you can they're really really yummy um and that's it Seconded, I'm a big fan of those squashes too. Yeah, that they slap. They're, they're really good. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Big, big fan. Actually, I just love squashies. I love all of them. Um, the OG ones and the minion ones, they're the favourites. So. Um, yeah, well, there you have it. That's episode 171, and I think that's everything from us. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget, if you want to follow us all, you absolutely can. Absolutely everywhere. Just check the link tree in the description below to find us in all the possible. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do at FNGRGNS, or you can follow us individually. You can do that as well in the description below, where you'll find all of our handles, except for Miles, who's smart and doesn't have Twitter. If you really like what we do, you can subscribe to our Patreon for $1 a month, which keeps the podcast alive and kicking on its various podcast services. It also keeps the website nice and shiny. Um, I got told off last week for saying sparkly, so I'm going back to shiny. Um, but that's really it. Can't, can't, we can't wait for you to come back. Um, and we will be back to normal resuming programming next week. Uh, and we can't wait to see you for that. Until then, however, it is goodbye from Miles Thompson. Oh, well. It's goodbye from Sean Davies. Goodbye. I just ordered a McDonald's. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Jelly. What did you get? What did, what did you, you get? get? What's your order? Uh, I've had a double cheeseburger, fries, um, the cheese things, and um, a milkshake. Legend. Love it. Legend. Well, enjoy that. Enjoy that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And it's goodbye from Josh. I'm very jealous of that Mackey's. Yeah, me too, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Uh, And it's goodbye from me. I've been Kat, and we will see you next time on the Finger Guns podcast.